Thank you. It really flows with what I was talking about yesterday about finding your, your stream. All right. Can you take your Bibles with me? And I'm going to minister the Word first, and then I'm going to give you some advice before I say good night. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to show us tonight. To you belongs the glory, all the honor, all the praise. I give you the praise, Lord. Hallelujah. All right. Romans chapter 6 for just a few moments, and then we're going to go to Exodus 16. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Now that baptism into Jesus Christ means total surrender to the Lord. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The Lord walked into our history when he died for us. We walked into his history when he rose from the dead. That's what this verse means. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is freed from sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, under grace. Now, I'm going to give you one headline that explains all this. We just read from verse 1 to verse 14. And the headline is quite simple. The Christian life doesn't say try. Or try harder. Or try again. It completes, the message completes 
in verse 13, yield your members as instruments of righteousness. Look at that last portion. Your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So the Christian life is not, I'm going to try to live it. The Christian life is, I will allow the Lord to live it. And all I do is surrender. And then he lives his life in and through me. And only then sin shall not have dominion over you. But how does it happen? What are my responsibilities to bring that about? How can I live as Romans 6, 1 to 14 explains? And it's quite a very simple chapter, really, because it begins with, number one, uh, we're not going to continue in sin because we're under grace. We don't continue in sin. God forbid. Don't you know you've been baptized into Jesus Christ? Completely immersed in Him. And Water baptism is simply the declaration that I'm dead to the world, alive unto God. But now we've been planted together in the likeness, meaning baptism and water, likeness of his death. And now we will be raised in the likeness of his resurrection. And that doesn't mean just by getting wet. Baptism in water is a declaration. It's the circumcision of the heart. Where it's my declaration. I am no longer living in the world. Or for the world. Or for sin. And then it says, knowing this, verse 6. Our old man is crucified. And now, eventually... The body of sin will be destroyed. It can be destroyed in one day. It's a process. And he that is dead is free from sin. It's a process. Now if we're dead with Christ, we believe we shall, future, live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. So death doesn't have dominion over him. And since death has no more dominion over him, sin and death will not have dominion over us if we live in him and he in us. So what do I do? Yield your members. He finishes the beautiful message by yield your members, not to sin, which will bring death, but unto righteousness. And then you can see the power of sin breaking in your life, and sin will not have dominion. And that's not going to happen over, overnight, I assure you. But what do we need for fuel? What do we need for power? Because the engine called the Christian life cannot live without fuel. The fuel is the Word of God. Now, in Exodus 16 and verse 4, we have a very amazing secret. It said, Then said the Lord to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out 
and gather it. In other words, it's not going to show up in their tent. They have to go look for it. I will rain bread from heaven for you. The people shall go out. The people shall go out and gather a certain rate, a certain rate every day that I may prove them. In other words, will they really go out and find it? Whether they will walk in my law or not. So think about this, that every day the Israelites had to go look for it or they would not eat. So God said, I am not going to put the manna in their tent. I'm not going to just let it just show up in the tent. Instead, I'm going to put it away somewhere in the desert. Let them go out of the tent and look for it to prove if they really want it. And now you look at verse 19 of the same chapter, and it says this, And Moses said, Let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not to Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. So, the bread of heaven here is a picture of the Lord. In John 6, verse 32, Verily I say unto you, the Lord said to them, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. They said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. I am that bread of life. Not the manna you ate. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. Beautiful. So, God's word. God's word is bread. So the devil comes and says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. And Jesus said, men shall not zoe or chaya by bread alone. He didn't say live. That is a mistranslation. So the King James translators translated, man shall not live by bread alone. What Jesus said is, man shall not chaya, have life by bread alone. Man will not receive chaya, life, zoe. Man will not have life, but by the word of God. So, four things we call life. Four things on earth are called life. Plant life, 
animal life, human life, spiritual life. So there's four things in the Bible that talk about life. Plant life, Genesis. Animal life, in creation I'm talking about. But then you have human life. All happened in creation. God creates the plants. They bring after their kind. That's life. God creates animals. Bring after their kind. That's life. Then God creates Adam. And he reproduces after himself. Life. But all that life is not what is promised in that beautiful portion we just read. The word brings spiritual life. And that is the life he promised abundantly. I'm come that they might have Zoe, Chaya, abundantly, abundantly, life. So the difference between you and the unbeliever, they are the living dead. You are alive, spiritually. So you cannot be living and dead at the same time. They are. So you see, creation is alive, yet it's dead. Why? God isn't there. Because even plant life is alive, but there's no spirit in it. Animals have no spirit in them. Human beings have no spirit in them. Therefore, they are the living dead. The living dead. The plants are dead. Animals are dead. Human beings are dead. They are living, but they are dead. We are the only people who can receive chaya, life, abundantly. So, they had to go look for the word that gave them chaya. So the Lord said in John 6, he said, one more time, let's look at, look at it. It's very important now that you know what I just said. Let's see it kind of in the, in the same revelation here. Where the Lord said, verily, verily, I say unto you, verse 32, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. Because it's what, it was not spirit. But my Father giveth you the true bread. The true bread is spirit. For the bread of God, verse 33, is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth Zoe, giveth life unto the world. And then they said, Lord, give us more of this bread. And he said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of Zoe. I am the bread of Chaya. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. Now later he said, you have to eat me and drink my blood to have life. And they said, who can handle this? And they walked away. And then he said, my words are spirit and life. 
spirit and zoe. Spirit and chaya in Hebrew. So the children of Israel had to leave their tent, look for bread. And God said, I'm going to prove them whether they will obey me or not by leaving their tent and looking for it. So it is our responsibility now as believers to go look for the Word of God. It's not just going to show up where we are. We have to search for the Word of God. We have to search the Scriptures, it says. So here we, we see feeding on Christ the Lord. So, looking again back at Exodus, we don't have to go there, but just thinking about what they had to do. Uh, no one was too young to look for the manna. God did not set an age. He said, all of you go look for it. Young and old. So none of us who are redeemed are too young in faith to start gathering it. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Now, this is the secret, by the way, to give you what we read in Romans. Let not sin reign in your mortal body. Let not sin have dominion over you. How? I'm giving you the answer. The word. He is the Word. He is the Word of life. So in Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, it says, And God humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live or chaya, life. So this should say that man doth not have life by bread only. Man does not have life by bread only. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man chaya, have life. Thy raiment was waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell thee these forty years. Thou wilt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. So, it is equally so for us. If we do not seek it, we will be chastened. If we will not seek the word of God, God will put you to the test to say, will you prove yourself worthy of my chaya, of my zoe, of my life, spiritual life. Therefore, it is my responsibility as it was their responsibility. Go look for it. Search it. Find it. 
Now, how? How do I find it? We've all watched cows grazing. But most of the times, they're endlessly chewing. They're endlessly munching. So chewing the cud. I used to go to a place called Bizac Center in Canada, outside Toronto by the airport, that was run by a mighty man of God named Bernie Warren. And it was a retreat center. And every Friday night, I would go there. They had beautiful meetings. But you also would go just to have a little time with God alone. And I would sometimes spend days there. And I would take the, the hymnal and go up to the hill and sing the old hymns. And all over the place, I look at cows on those farms, those hills were full of cows. The grass was beautiful and the wind was blowing just right. And I'm sitting on a rock singing, my Jesus, I love thee. And I was reading it from the hymns. That's how I learned the hymns. I would go up there and do it on my own. And the one who taught me the hymns first was Jim Pointer. But now I would go and sing them alone. But I would see those cows sitting there endlessly chewing. But I did not know what was going on and, they, and that they were teaching me something spiritual. You cannot find life in God without chewing. And what they do is they chew it, it goes down their tummy, and comes back up for more nourishment. Chewing the cud. So cows, what they do is they swallow it, they pull it right back up again, and get all the good nutrients they missed the first time. Then it goes back again. That's what happens with us when we meditate. So tonight I want to show you how to meditate. Don't miss this one. Every pastor needs to learn how to meditate. So this uh, amazing secret is found. That's why I believe when, when God said go look for it, in Exodus, to us means go and find it, chew it, and meditate, and chew it again, and chew it again, and one more time till every beautiful nutrient is removed, and now it's deposited in your spirit. And so this involves now the human spirit. In fact, requiring the, the blessed Holy Spirit to, to, to come and do His work. I'm going to just say one quick thing that I'm sorry to be interrupted, but the air conditioning I don't think is working. So Marie, if you don't mind handling this, I would really appreciate that. We cannot hear the word and sweat. So go help me with that. Thank you very much. So, now, let me, let me finish. This is more important than the air. Now, meditation 
focuses on the spirit, not the mind, when it comes to the Christian life. In Psalm 19, in Psalm 19 and verse 7, a beautiful uh, portion, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So this is something that I think we have to understand. Uh, meditation focuses on the heart. Um, sometimes Bible reading and meditation overlap each other, but there's a big difference between Bible reading, uh, which is mental, and involves the intellectual mind. Bible reading involves the intellectual mind, but meditation uh, is spiritual. And that's what David found out when he said, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Restoring the soul. So, there sat once on a, on a platform in a conference, a very rough-looking farmer, and uh, one young man asked another, uh, who's the speaker? And the, ans the answer came, it's the farmer sitting up there. So, when the speaker got up, when the farmer got up to speak, the presence of God filled the whole room. And uh, these two young men who had been talking about who's the speaker went up to him after the service. And they said, uh, where did you get such truth? Why is the presence of God so strong now that you've spoken? And he told him how he would get up every morning, read the word, go out on his farm as a farmer, and meditate until the Holy Spirit put what he read in his mind into his heart. He said, I would go work on the farm and meditate on what I read in my mind till it became a part of my heart. And that's why the presence of God was so strong with him. Now, this amazing process I want to talk to you about now uh, involves, uh, involves three phases. Three phases. Um, the first phase is mentioned in Psalm 119. And I think most Christians are still there. They, they haven't gone beyond that first phase. So Psalm 119, verse 99, is the first phase. And so it says, I have more understanding than all my teachers. For, my test, for thy testimonies are my meditation. Now, they uh, uh, begin to understand the Bible. They begin to understand the Bible. I have more understanding than all my teachers. That's where they begin. I now understand. I'm beginning to understand. But it took him years to understand. And that's called apprehension. 
This is what I begin to understand. I receive insight. I receive spiritual understanding of the Word of God. That's phase one. Now I have more understanding than my teachers. I understand your testimonies. And now I want to make them my meditation, but I'm not there yet. But there's more to, to the Word. You, you, you cannot find the life in the Word without assimilation. What is assimilation? Well, assimilation is um, digestion. Spiritual digestion, just like in the natural. You have to digest your food. You can't just swallow it. So understanding is, ah, I tasted it. Now, I'm talking about it in the natural. So when I, when I eat food, I first taste it. Ah, it tastes good. I swallow it. That is phase one, even spiritually, where I get it. I get it. Now I can swallow it but it hasn't yet digested. It hasn't really blessed me yet. It hasn't given me the nourishments I need. Now, I have to assimilate it. Now, how do, you do, how do we do that spiritually? That's a beautiful question I want to talk to you about. So, um, the Spirit takes that food all right, let me, wait, wait, let me, let me just go back. I'm, I'm, maybe, maybe I need to make it a little, a little simpler. You cannot read the Bible if you look at the text. You have to look at the context. You have to see the whole picture. How many of you know John 3.16 by heart? How many of you know John 3.14? Huh? Yeah. Now, you, you see my point. Everyone knows John 3.16. Very few know John 3.14. John 3.14 says, As Moses lifted up the serpent, so, so, that word so is in verse 16. So, thus, in like manner, that's what it means in the original. As Moses lifted up the serpent, in like manner shall the Son of Man be lifted up. And then he goes and says, for God in like manner loved the world. Not so loved the world. No, no, no. It doesn't mean so because he's so moved. We've messed it up because we see the text, not the context. For God in like manner, in like manner, back to verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent, in like manner shall the Son of Man be lifted. For God in like manner loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son. So it changes the whole picture. So when you read the Bible, don't read the text. Read the context. Read the whole thought. The whole thought. 
So when, when we begin when Isaiah, with Isaiah 53.1, it was, that's the wrong place to begin, Isaiah 53. Because Isaiah 53 should have begun in Isaiah 52, the last two verses. But the British man, the English man who was the Archbishop of Canterbury, decided to divide the Bible into chapters and made a big mess out of it. So today, when we read Isaiah 53, we don't realize the message began in, in chapter 52. We didn't know that. So you have to read the whole, and this is why I say read the thoughts, not the chapters. Read the thoughts. Go till the thought stops. Go till God is done talking about a certain truth. And then you go and you stop. Now that thought could be, could be three and a half chapters, could be four, chapter five, ten. It doesn't matter really. Read it as a thought, as a whole thought, and then stop. Then you go and you think about it. Think about it. Now that's not meditation yet. You think mentally, mentally. So that's how it says in Psalm 119, I have more understanding. Where is understanding? It's, in the, it's in, the, in the intellect. So we all begin intellectually. We all, in the spirit, you begin intellectually. You, you don't begin spiritually. Nobody begins spiritually. We all begin intellectually. And then we begin to think over and over and over about the thought. Now you say, well, I can't maybe... Finish a whole thought. Okay, go for half a thought. Start where you can. Start where, where you can. But finish at least a portion that is together. Comprende? So once you get that thought, or maybe less than a thought, I would suggest you go for the whole thought, but some of you may not be able to. I don't know. But at least get as much as you can, and then go back and rethink. Let your intellect do the job. I have more understanding than my enemies, and I have more understanding than my teachers, more than anyone. And you, you keep munching first, first, mentally. Now, religion, that's all they focus on, is the mental part. They meditate on the mental part. And that can be very dangerous if you don't go from that elsewhere. And now, we as believers, as we are in that process where the intellect is involved, slowly, without our knowledge, the nutrients begin to go into our heart. That doesn't happen in false religions. It stays on the mind. And eventually, the devils use it to destroy that individual because it's all soulish. But now when we as believers welcome the Holy Spirit to be the teacher, He will do that spiritual part for you. you. You don't have to. He does. I just said it earlier. It involves the human spirit and needs the Holy Spirit. But you have to ask Him, make this life to me. Make this life to me. And He will. And the Lord is gentle. He works with us. And slowly, 
that beautiful assimilation begins, no different than your own body does the, the job of digestion. All you do is the chewing part, okay? But the body takes over, and now the digestion begins. So it is in the spirit. You say, bless the Holy Spirit, reveal it now to my heart, and God reveals it. And when he does, and when he does, an amazing process begins. Because this is where spiritual food forms. Spiritual food does not form mentally in the intellect. Spiritual food forms in the spirit. Because now the Holy Spirit begins to digest the word in you. Your spirit man comes into action. And now the process of heart meditation, spiritual meditation starts, and the process begins. And now something happens very beautiful. The Lord begins to, the Lord begins to separate the truth for you, and one, only a small portion of it comes alive. Why? Well, because the Lord knows you, you, you can't eat a lot. You have to eat slowly because the, the process demands it slows down. Okay, let me, let me say it like, like this. You may chew fast. You, can, you, 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 you cannot digest fast, even in the, in the natural. Digestion takes longer than chewing. You, you can chew your food in minutes. It takes hours to digest. Why? Because the body does, does not digest it all at the same time. Slowly, portion by portion, portion by It could take hours for certain foods to be digested, sometimes a whole day, sometimes a whole night. It depends on what, what you eat. Same in the spirit. Let the Lord do it his way. And what God does is, Suddenly, just one portion comes alive in you. Just one portion. And that's where the munching starts all over again. You see that? Now it comes out from your spirit, goes back in your head. And when it does, it cleans it up. What cleans it up is not the chewing. What cleans it up is the digestion of the spirit. It comes back up and pushes the garbage out and takes it right in and brings the life out again. And next you know, your mind is being renewed by the Word. Isn't that beautiful? So meditation is so important because that spiritual food now, what does it begin to do? It begins to form our spiritual character. Just like the food you eat in the natural, makes what your body is now, whether you gain weight, lose weight, look healthy or not healthy, food becomes you physically. Your food becomes how you are. Uh, it literally becomes you in the flesh. It feeds your cells. It changes your skin, this, this and that. Your food. Well, in the spirit, that's what happens. God begins to do something 
and change and develop our spiritual character. Wow. Now, when that happens, you will see something. And that's in Psalm 63 and verse 5. It says this. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. That is the best fat. Marrow is the best fat. There is spiritual fat. It's called abundance. The word fatness in the Hebrew means abundance. Now, we don't want fat in the physical realm, but we sure need it in the spirit. Most Christians today need a lot of holy spiritual fat. That's the fact. You really like that. He's saying, my, 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 like that. My soul, don't make me laugh, please. Captain Dan, stop being a Pentecostal. For now you must become a Presbyterian. Quiet, just listen. I love you still. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> My soul, verse 5. Are you enjoying this? My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And that word fatness means abundance, spiritual abundance. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Now, here's what, what happens. <laughs> Look at me. Digestion, proper digestion in the spirit manifests praise. The word manifests praise, and then you know it's being digested real good. Because he said, the minute I digest it and my soul is satisfied, now my mouth will praise you. Have you ever noticed when you read the Bible, praise erupts? How many have had that happen? That's your digestive system burping. In the natural, you burp. In the spirit, you praise. Isn't that beautiful? So, now it says in verse 6, When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. So, what, what is happening? That meditation continues spiritually even while you're laying down in bed. And the Word gets hold of you like that. That beautiful phase, Paul talks about in Colossians 3. And in verse 16, he says, Let the Word of Christ dwell richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing with your heart, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. Have you ever noticed when you read the Bible, a melody is born? 
you, you start to sing a song and not even plan it, that's your digestive system working. Because the word now is having its impact on you. You're actually not realizing it, but you're chewing the cud. The digestive system is working. Now it comes back to your mind. You think about it again. Goes back in and comes back out. And every time it does, that brain of yours gets clean. Now the song begins. And you can't stop singing. And nobody is playing an instrument. The word has become your music. That is happening in meditation. That is what it means by go look for it. Go out there outside your tent and look for it. Go search it. Go study it. Prove yourself to be worthy of it. That's what God said to Israel. I'm going to prove you. Are you going to go out there or stay in your tent? Are you going to go out there and get it or not? Now, if you don't do it, you're going to have some trials that will force you to go back to the Word. God will force you to go back to the promises because the devil will come at you from all sides. That's what he said in the Old Covenant. He said to prove you, to test you. If you don't go to the Word, you, you'll be tested. You'll be tried. And how are we tried when we neglect the Word of God? Look at all the trouble you get yourself into. And then you run back to the promises looking for, and you, you do the foolish stuff. Looking for some promise. Keep yourself in the Word and you won't need to be doing You know what, 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 what that means when people do, Lord, give me a promise. That's, that's called Morse code, but it doesn't exist with, with the Spirit. I had a lady come time, years ago, come to me. I was, I was standing. My son, I think, will love that. He's back there, isn't he? Yeah. So, Joshua, you'll love this baby. I was standing in this, in this hall talking to Bill Prankard one day in a hotel. Come here, Willie. Stand up a second. So we are, we, we are talking, and this little lady comes. She goes, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. She's making that sound with her mouth, too, the whole time. I'm not done yet. Boop, 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 boop. I said, can I help you? She said, please interpret. God speaks to me in Morse code. Please interpret God speaks to me in Morris code. There's some real weirdos. Some of them are in the church. Ooh. My eyes right now. Now now you can become Pentecostal all you want. Now there, there, there is a third phase, a third phase. So apprehension first. Understand it, I get it, I'm chewing it, I taste it. Ooh, it tastes good. Assimilation. 
Mmm, yeah, the digestive system is working, and I'm now munching it, going up to my head, coming down, back my spirit, and I'm changing. And now the melody starts to form in me, and I'm praising the Lord and don't know why, and I'm singing, don't know why. And finally, there is the third one. And you know, that second one is right there. That the word of Christ, Colossians 3.16, dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, there is a third phase, application. Because that is where the outworking of the process begins to do amazing things in your life. So what happens with application is the outworking of meditation. And the outworking of meditation, um, the assimilation builds character within you, nourishing your faith, adjusting your life, you're living it right. But now, the application is you begin to conform to the Word. You become to change. You begin to change. Your life begins to change. And now you obey. Now you are living the Word. It says, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the Word of God. And now that begins to show up and, and come out. And now people are looking, saying, look at this man. He's changing. This woman is changing. Everything now is alive. It comes right through that human being. And that's what we read in Joshua 1. And so when you read Joshua chapter 1, verse, verse 8, what you have to understand is, is the process has been going on there in that, in that, in that life. So let's go to Joshua 1, 8. We all know that beautiful verse, but we have to read it together. And let's read it out loud. Can we all read it out loud together? So Joshua 1, 8, we're going to read it out loud. So let's, let's get to the verse. And let's begin. One, two, three, go. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Okay, it begins with apprehension. Remember in the Psalms, I have more understanding than all my teachers. Now I get it. Now the meditation begins by the Holy Spirit in your spirit. And now I'm satisfied. And now praise is born. A new song is born. But now something happens. I begin to see it on the outside. The results come right out of me. And the world sees it. And as a result, it says, everything around you now, your way begins to prosper, and you'll have good success. So you, 
you become doers because you have been feeders. Feeders become doers. You've been feeding your life the Word. You're a feeder. You're one who feeds your life. You feed your spirit with the Word. And now you become a doer. And when you become a doer, you literally become and you begin to live someone. We all know someone. But notice what it says about meditation. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But notice what it says. Number one, you're not walking with sinners anymore. You're no longer standing or in agreement with them. That's what it means to stand. Nor are you sitting with them, taking action against others. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law doth he meditate day and night. And the results now begin to show up in your life. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf will not wither. Whatsoever he doeth will prosper. So what does it say to me? Well, in verse 3, well, let's go back to verse, verse 2. It gives us the benefits of meditation. His delight is on the law of, of the Lord. In his law does he meditate day, day and night. The first thing that happens as a result of meditation is you begin to enjoy the Christian life. His delight is in the law of the Lord. People lose their joy because there's no med meditation. There's no, there, there is no nourishment. There may be understanding with no joy, but you cannot have meditation without joy. Can I say it again? You can understand the Bible and still be miserable. You can know the Bible mentally and still be completely a negative person baptized in pickle juice like her dad used to say. I love that when Roy would say, you look like you've all been baptized in pickle juice this morning. Those people look like they're messed up somehow. No, we're not baptized in pickle juice. The joy of the Lord comes out through what? Meditation. It says, here it is. His delight is in the law because he's meditating day and night. I just showed you what meditation is. Apprehension, assimilation, application. Did you get that? And you cannot do that if you know the text. You must know the context. You must know the thought. You meditate on the thought of the truth you just found in that thought about God. His ways, His nature. And now, not only are you enjoying the Christian life, in verse 3 it says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You know what that means? My life is nourished. Nourishment now is a part of my Christian walk. And then it says, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. I become fruitful. 
And then it says something amazing. His leaf will not wither. That means healing will come to your body and life. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. God begins to bless everything you touch. These are the benefits of meditation. Hallelujah. I am so excited to talk to you about what we're doing with the This Is Your Day programs, the Crusades, the programs from OCC. Our tapes were wearing out, and we want to preserve them for our children and grandchildren, so we began to digitize the This Is Your Day programs that many have watched, the great crusades of the past, OCC's programs, conferences, and so much more. And what we are looking at is really amazing. The technology today is remarkable. Let's watch together and see what our staff has been doing. And then I'll talk to you a little more. Watch this. I see a lady with cancer. You have breast cancer. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that cancer in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Uh, someone with diabetes being healed. I rebuke that diabetes in the name of the Lord. And a neck injury is being healed. I rebuke it in Jesus' blessed name. Lord, anoint everyone watching. Did you see the change from the old look to the new look? I mean, it's very evident. It's costing us thousands of dollars to renew all the old programs. So now our children, our grandchildren can be blessed. You know, the anointing still rests amazingly on these services as you see them. So will you stand with me today to help us just digitize everything from way back in the 70s right to the present to make sure everything we have is right and the way it should look. So. I pray the Lord will speak to you, and I'm going to pray with you that the Lord will bless you for whatever gift you give for this. It's a lot of money, but I believe every tape will be done, and we're already doing it, but we need more help from you wonderful partners. The information is on the screen for you. You can go to our website. You can go on the platform you're watching me on, or simply text BHM45777 with your gift. Lord, bless your people, honor them, reward them, prosper them, and use these states for years to come for your glory. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen and amen. Thank you, and I'll see you again tomorrow.